Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. Have you been teased throughout your life, either in jest or perhaps shamed for your tendency towards crying? Or perhaps you felt weird for being so sensitive to light and or to sounds? Or perhaps you've had a prophetic dream or sensed moments before they have even happened and then you end up living those very moments? Or maybe you have loved ones who experience the aforementioned things, and they completely confuse, befuddle, and maybe even scare you a little bit. My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast, and today I am going to break down and explore the similarities and differences of what it means to be what's called an HSP, or highly sensitive person, an empath, or to have psychic tendencies or abilities. Are you sensitive or psychic? We will explore this and more in today's episode. So, are you or someone that you love prone to sensitivity about the seemingly small things in everyday life in addition to the big things? Like, say, the inexplicable overwhelm in a food store fluorescent lighting anywhere, or the big energies of others, especially those who have, well, strong personalities? Have you been called overly sensitive or told to toughen up from time to time over the course of your life? Or do you find that you say these things to someone in your world periodically? The great thing is that there is a burgeoning awareness in many psychological and spiritual circles about these tendencies and, in my humble opinion, understanding where the intersectionality of empaths, highly sensitive people, and folks with psychic abilities meet, which can be very normalizing for people who lean these ways and very healing for folks who are in close relationships with said people. In my work with private clients, doing what has evolved into what I call intuitive coaching, where I integrate offering my psychic, psychological, and spiritual impressions into sessions, along with threading astrology chart readings, connecting to people's ancestors and spirit team as well. And also as a yoga and meditation teacher for almost 20 years now, I get questions surrounding these topics pretty much on a daily basis and have found when people understand more about themselves in relationship to these categories, it can be exceedingly helpful, life-affirming, and balancing. Because when we don't shame ourselves or our people and then add in some practical and applicable knowledge to -to moment-to-moment life, then we walk further down the path of conscious living. So in my experience, people who are highly sensitive 
And now, as I mentioned earlier, there's an official psychological term for it coined, quote, highly sensitive person, quote. And it's a company acronym, HSP, which I'll refer to because it's shorter. Brevity is a good thing. So this acronym HSP refers to people who process information about the world around them more than others do. So HSP individuals can be easily and quickly overwhelmed by such things as bright lights, strong smells, coarse fabrics, or loud sounds such as sirens nearby. When I looked up the definition of sensitive, it read as follows. One, quick to detect or respond to slight changes, signals, or influences. And then with the definition, there's like an example to define the word. So here it is, i.e., quote, the new method of protein detection was more sensitive than the early ones, end quote. I really liked that example because it is demonstrative of how being highly sensitive is a comparative to something else. So in that example, a protein detection was more sensitive in this example than another before it. And I think this is so incredibly helpful when we start defining and labeling because the thing most of us know about labels is, well, they can box us in and limit us. However, they also can afford us better understanding of something too, if you skillfully. So for the purposes of this conversation, I'm exploring these labels. And to me, the only helpful labels really worth keeping are the ones that help us know ourselves better and that set us free. So I hope that that does this for you or your loved ones. So if we are highly sensitive, as the definition says, it's only in comparison to someone else. And I want to take a moment to acknowledge that we live in an incredibly insensitive world, age, and time that due to technology numbing us out is only becoming more and more insensitive. But truly speaking, our world now for thousands of years has been rooted in a variety of patriarchal systems. And most of us know that the masculine narrative does not support nor really have interest at all in growing historically sensitivity. Now, thank goodness, thank goddess, there is a newer wave of consciousness where men and boys are being encouraged to develop a healthier and more sensitive masculinity. And I'm so grateful to be surrounded by many men and copious people who share this vision. But as a collective, it is still newer and burgeoning this notion that sensitivity and masculinity goes hand in hand. So for the purposes of this conversation, I'm going to posit that as a society anchored in more stereotypical patriarchal structures and strictures, sensitivity is often associated with more feminine energies, which have been historically looked upon as less than, undesirable, or certainly not equated with being powerful and successful. I mean, when we talk about sensitivity, ask yourself, how many times have you heard it used as a compliment? Bob, you are 
so sensitive. Ah, oh, said no one ever, probably. <laughs> no one's ever said to me, Kilkenny, I love your sensitivity. Think about that for yourself. Have you used it as a compliment? Have you received it as a compliment? Hmm? Case in point. We usually hear it as a disparaging or as a complaint. You hear, they are so sensitive about everything. Or, you are so sensitive about everything. Why? If you've ever been the recipient of this phrase, it's definitely not someone throwing a party in your honor. So when we add highly to the word sensitive, for most people, that simply compounds it. However, if you consider the phrases associated with the word sensitivity in the definition that I looked up in the dictionary, I found this, responsive to, quick to respond to, reactive to, sentient of, aware of, conscious of, alive to, easily affected, vulnerable to, attuned to, especially for those of us committed to the paths of self-growth, evolution, and self-awareness, which, well, is like every one of you listeners, aren't a lot of those phrases actually things that you and I are going for? I mean, I would like to feel hyper-alive and to be hyper-conscious and to be hyper-attuned. How about you? So some questions that you can ask yourself if you're trying to sift through, if you are indeed an HSP, goes as follows. Do you get rattled when you have a lot to do in a shorter amount of time? Do you avoid violent or grotesque movies and TV shows? Do you feel the need to withdraw during busy days into bed, a darkened room, or some other place where you can have privacy in order to experience relief? Is it a high priority to arrange your life to avoid upsetting or overwhelming situations? Do you notice or relish in delicate or fine scents, tastes, sounds, or works of art? Do you have a complex and or rich inner life? When you were a child, did your parents, caretakers, or teachers see you as sensitive or shy? Though being highly sensitive has an emotional dimension to it, one could argue a little bit, really it's considered not connected to the emotional realm. To be an HSP actually doesn't mean that you cry at the drop of a hat like you might think, or that even you're easily offended. That's what's really interesting about this term. It is very much about sensory input. So in essence, it includes someone who has a lower threshold for stimulation and they need a lot more time alone. That need is much greater. And this isn't like just a casual need as, you know, in my opinion, we all benefit from alone time and unplugging from the hyper stimulation of this world. But an HSP must have this every day or on a consistent basis in order to maintain peace of mind and to literally be functional by today's societal standards. Another aspect of HSPs in this world of screens flashing a million miles a minute before our eyes and where artificial lights, artificial foods, and artificial sounds 
bombard our senses. Does your system go into overdrive? Or do you have thoughts about the outer world being simply too much for you at times to process? If your nervous system and senses shut down or give you feedback that it's at times too much, I am here to applaud your body's innate knowing. You are actually very dialed in. I'm proud of you. Congratulations. The truth is that we are experiencing what scientists call evolutionary mismatch or an evolutionary trap, which is this really interesting concept in evolutionary biology. And it refers to evolved traits that were once advantageous but became maladaptive due to changes in the environment. This can take place in humans and animals and is often attributed to extremely rapid environmental change like we have experienced in the last many years with the onslaught of technology. And from a macro perspective, really, you could think about it since the Industrial Revolution, which was approximately 1814, one could argue, right? That's when there was such an incredible acceleration of, you know, machinery and technology and, you know, apparatuses to help us, quote unquote, do things, quote unquote, help us. So as things have rapidly changed in our outer environment at such an extreme rate that really homo sapiens, and this is what these terms refer to, we haven't caught up yet. We haven't evolved physically, biologically at the same rapid speed as technology has. Thus, we really aren't equipped for it yet as a species from the perspectives of our bodies and our psyches. Isn't that so profound, right? This quickening that's happened on the outside of ourselves literally could not be from a physical and biological standpoint. It's just an impossibility that they would be in sync right now. So in a society that acts like you should be able and even thrive in this futuristic era, your biology is calling society's bluff. And please honor your body and its wise information. Don't go to the mall if you hate malls and they overload your system. Seize pockets of quiet time If they are your lifeline, carpe diem those quiet moments to yourself alone in silence. Being an HSP is something to honor in yourself and in others. So if you find yourself living with said individuals and you are not one, maybe you can support them or at least understand them a little bit more, meeting them with extra compassion and even a little admiration. Many of us are aware that dogs hear nearly twice as many frequencies as human. They love dogs, and right? We know this. Their ears are incredible. They can also hear sounds like four times further away. So what human ears can essentially hear from 20 feet away, our dogs can hear from 80 feet away. So we don't yell at our dogs for barking at things we can't hear. As we know, this is their superhero power. 
I know dog custodians like myself sometimes do because we forget this, but you shouldn't, y'all. They can hear the things that they are barking at that you can't. So remember this idea with yourself or your people and practice thinking of yourself or them with this supersonic sensing. Your or their hearing, your or their sense of smell or whatever it is, is really in actuality more acute. And so therefore what they are experiencing or you're experiencing, if it's you, is very real and it's not an exaggeration. We need to learn to respect this. Have compassion. Show compassion. Now, could these heightened perceptions of one's senses be an indicator of potential psychic prowess? You betcha for sure. Because psychic abilities are simply the ability to pick up information that is present but subtle. So if your senses have the capacity to obtain more info than the majority of folks, then the upside is there's a good chance of you picking up on subtler energy for psychic information comes through our senses via our bodies. Our physicalities are psychic deciphering technologies. So if your senses have the capacity to obtain more information than the majority of folks you notice, then the upside is there's a good chance of you picking up on subtler energy for psychic information comes to us through our senses via our bodies. Our physicalities, our psychic deciphering technologies, and our hardware are the senses. And that's what psychics do. They have the ability to decipher information that is present, just subtle. Now, this doesn't mean that only HSPs have the capacity to hone psychic skills, nor that all psychics are HSPs, but there is certainly a propensity and proclivity I have noticed towards paranormal downloading in these folks. So what's an empath then? Is it a different category? And the answer in my humble experience is yes and no. What do I mean by that, pray tell? Well, an empath is one who experiences the emotions of others. Now, I'm not talking here about having empathy, just to make that important distinction. A person can have sympathy for someone, which essentially means to feel genuinely bad for them or about their situation. It's amazing. Having empathy, however, is different than having sympathy for someone. As empathy indicates, you can put yourself literally in someone else's shoes when you think of them and their situation and imagine what it's like. That's having empathy. Being an empath, however, is its own special little niche, all unto itself, for better or for worse. (laughs) Empaths experience the situation of someone else's as if they were the ones experiencing it themselves in real time and in real current space reality. They feel it all. So this literally 
includes feeling someone else's experience in your own body and or in your emotional body. So it's the capacity to feel what others are feeling either in your physical body and or your emotional body. Empaths experience the situation of someone else's as if they were the ones experiencing it themselves in real time and in current space reality. So this includes literally feeling someone else's experience in your physical body and or in your emotional body. Now, from a psychological perspective, you can think about this distinction in terms of an empathy spectrum, like a continuum, if you will. So picture a horizontal line or continuum, and empaths are on one far end. Highly sensitive people are a tiny bit further in. People with strong empathy, a little further in. People with sympathy, who are not HSPs or empaths, are directly in the center. And then if you move the other direction towards the other side, then there are the narcissists, a little further to the other side, the sociopaths, and then even further still, the psychopaths. So essentially one half of this continuum are those who we are speaking of today. And the other half of the continuum are those who have what's called in psychology empath deficient disorders, and they are on the far opposite end, as I detailed. So empaths are the healers, the psychologists, the teachers, and the great wisdom keepers of this world. Their emotional and energetic generosity fills our lives with goodness and humanity. The challenge for empaths is to learn to move and digest the energy, the pain, and the suffering of others so it doesn't get stuck within themselves. They feel everything for and on behalf of everyone. Often, they don't even realize they are doing this. And the emotions they or you, if you're an empath, are dealing with, the psychological entanglements, the karmic baggage that they or you are carrying, isn't even they are yours. It's not even yours, this baggage. Did you know that? Empaths are carrying and processing the emotional body of the collective. They can also be sensitive to the collective energies of the spirit world even, not just this physical world. For in the spirit world, there's also a significant amount of energy. There's beings with desires for us, the karmas of others, our family lines, our soul circles, and simply emotional grief energy in the spirit world. And so in my experience, it's akin to when you see a group of people watching like a game of sports, and even though it's just a game and they know that, the spectators get very activated and emotionally engaged. They get really into it, those sports people. And spirits and guides are on the sidelines right now. And empaths can sometimes even feel this energy and carry the emotionally charged energy of those unseen and all those in their life that are seen. So the bottom line is an empath can be processing and feeling a substantive amount of what isn't even theirs to process. So a helpful question to explore 
for yourself if you are going through emotional trauma or tumult. Is this mine? Someone else's? Or is this the collective's? What am I sensing? Why am I picking it up? Why am I in a mood even? If it is mine, find resources, practices, tools, and perhaps another friend, loved one, or skilled professional to talk to to process. However, it might not be yours. And as empaths, Learning about how to create healthy boundaries, which is a lifelong and full-time job for some of us. As part of my monthly membership, I share all sorts of digestible videos about how to do just this. Protect your energy, manage your energy, ground your energy. And that's at modernmystic.love to look into that monthly membership There are a myriad of techniques to do the aforementioned things. Also, something which can be incredibly helpful is to recognize and remember that everything is energy. Energy comes in waves. The tradition of yoga that I practice and and devoted to, Tantra, there's this understanding that all the feelings come in waves. And so If we practice recognizing our feelings as such, we can allow them to pass through us and not allow them to get stuck in our energy field, knowingly or unknowingly. So how to do this? Well, one strategy is you can watch your feelings and then tag them. And then really get into the mode of the observer. And as opposed to equating yourself with your feelings, recognize that you're experiencing them, but they are not you. So what does this all mean? Well, for example, as opposed to telling yourself, I am sad, you might rephrase that to yourself as I am feeling sadness. So you're tagging it, you're watching it. And then you can explore and ask yourself, do an inquiry, a contemplation, What is this sadness tied to? Something finite in your world? Or perhaps it is connected to someone else's sadness in your life? Or, pulling on that thread even further, or is it the collective's grief and sadness? Simply by tagging our feelings and getting clarity as to the accuracy of who and what they are associated with can allow them to move through you and to not stagnate, which can be a very helpful strategy for empaths, I found. Because empaths have this extraordinary ability to download the feelings and experiences of others in their own bodies, this lends itself to developing psychic work with ease, in my experience, as developing one's intuitive and psychic powers is equated with developing, sensing the energy of those both seen and unseen, and the ability to sense and to feel what many cannot. 
In my work, I've seen and helped many empaths leverage and translate their already developed sensing prowess. It's just a matter of honing and refining and directing it in skillful ways and clear ways. This acute sensitivity really, really is a gift. And one of its presence, if taught and practiced, can be in psychic lands. Ironically, much of the work, as I stated for empaths, is learning to consecrate boundaries. And it is the same for them when working with guides, spirits, and energies. Empaths have to exercise this muscle on all realms. Often I found when working with people, the level to which they manage their boundaries in their personal lives is equal to the level that they're able to have boundaries with spirit and guides and beings in the unseen realm. So it's very interesting. So can you be both an HSP and an empath, you ask? Maybe someone was thinking that. I'm sure many of you were. And the answer is yes. Interestingly, many HSPs qualify as empaths, and you definitely can be both. Just to recap, being an HSP involves being more sensitive to all sensory input, but not necessarily emotions at all. Empaths, on the other hand, feel so much of others' pain that this term is all, all, all about emotions. But an empath could not be sensitive to light or to textures at all. Or you could be one of the individuals who find yourself, or perhaps you're realizing you love someone that exhibits both of these tendencies. And yes, if you are thinking, does both predispositions lean you towards having more fluid access to the psychic realms? And my answer is absolutely yes. (laughs) So if you're thinking, oof, I am both, I realize this now, or maybe you knew it, or maybe you knew you were one of them, but not both of them. The exciting and my awesome news for you is that your baseline for cultivating connection to your guides accessing the spirit realms and its messages and really finding the direct channel to your intuitive knowing, right? That's such a powerful thing, is going to be more readily available to you. And the distance from where you start to where you land will be shorter and often more easeful. Despite being an HSP or an empath, sometimes they get a bad rap. However, the truth is, Being these things simply means you process more information about the world around you than others do, which can remind others to not dull down so much. It can inspire others to not numb out so much. It can elicit others to not check out so much. So you and or your HSP empath loved one is a wisdom keeper and a prophet in this modern world. In a universe where self-centeredness is often packaged as ambition, something to be touted, empaths can inspire us to put ourselves in the shoes of others and sense what someone else is experiencing and that we are deeply connected and the truth of this, and that what happens to one affects the whole. 
And again, if you are more sensitive to the world around you, it's going to aid you in developing your psychic skills and deeper kind of rich inner experiences you'll have access to more readily, more quickly. Cultivating and developing our psychic skills is really simply about picking up on energy. It really is, y'all, that simple. Energy as sensory input and energy as feelings. So the more we practice honing our energy detection practices and developing our powers of sensing and our capacities of listening, well, all sorts of subtle and then sometimes not so subtle Things can happen to you that can truly be mind-blowing and awe-inspiring. And from these experiences, healing and the deep remembrance of the magic of life can happen. We live in worlds within worlds, on the inside and out. Each one of us tunes into certain aspects of these worlds naturally. We were all also brought up to tune into aspects of these worlds and then not so much other aspects. So our childhood and due to our attachment style development as kids affects us in these capacities we're speaking of today. So say we had an alcoholic parent or one who was emotionally erratic. Your empathy skills might have been raised on steroids because you were trained, in a sense, to feel the energy of another person for survival at worst and to keep the peace and feel safe at best. And so now, as an adult, you're an empath. Trauma can also cause an HSP development response. It's a tendency towards hypervigilance. So after a traumatic event we can develop hypervigilance to our surroundings in order for ourselves to feel like we are safe. And so we need the lights just so, or the music at a certain volume, as a safety traumatic response. And I hear about this all of the time. So many people in our society have these tendencies, but then are unaware of their value or understandably, just feel embarrassed or shamed into thinking they are a quirk to hide. But I am here to tell you, your sensitivity is a superhero power. Your sensitivity is sexy. Your sensitivity is a gift. Yes, it can be overwhelming and it can be exhausting to manage, but The dividends it can yield can support the healing, space-holding, and revelation for many others. And know that if you resonate with these tendencies, then I would encourage you to really explore them and learn to leverage them in ways that feel life-enhancing, in ways that you begin to understand and know they're a gift, and in ways that are exciting to you. Considering developing your intuition more or exploring meditation more actively, commit to that daily meditation practice. Explore the cultivation of your psychic gifts, which are the other side of the empath HSP coin. I would applaud your not trying to eradicate them. 
okay? Because for one, in my experience, we can learn to dance with them. But trying to suppress them and even worse, make them go away really can cause neuroses. We want to work with ourselves psychologically. Our psychology and our psyche is an important aspect of our human development, our spiritual development. Secondly, if you recognize these tendencies in your people and they irritate you, consider what is the other aspect about this person that you love, appreciate, and even admire that probably goes hand in hand with their extreme sensitivity. What does this part of them teach you? Or ask the same question about yourself to yourself. Does the part of you that can't work under fluorescent lights also intuitively know when you aren't safe and protects you by telling you to walk another direction on the street or to not date that person for no apparent reason on the outside? Is the part of your lover who cries at CNN the same part that asks about the details of your day without fail? And if you aren't on the magnified side of the empath continuum and more in the middle, you still are of benefit to practice cultivating your sensitivity because you are a sensitive being and This can be meaningful and rewarding work. So I invite you right now to practice, if it's safe to do so. Find your seat, or if you're standing, find your feet. And take a few breaths and simply feel into your body. As I said, the body, right, is this amazing technology not to be eradicated when we do mystical and psychological and conscious living work, but we use it as a tool. So feel and breathe into your body. Notice and feel your feet heavy and where they connect to the floor. If you're sitting, you can notice your seat and its weight. If you're standing, feel the verticality of your being and take a breath. And then keeping the eyes open, simply start to notice. Pay attention to the room or space you're in. And then in the way of your senses, notice What stands out to you? Are there patterns or colors that are vying for your attention that seem accentuated? Is there a taste in your mouth from the last thing you ate or drank? Are there any subtle or not so subtle smells that you can name or take in? What are the sounds that You can hear, maybe a little bit loud, maybe so quiet, like the beating of your heart. Mm, Once you've assessed the senses, now notice which one appeals to you the most. 
the feeling of your feet or your seat, the tasting, the smell, the hearing, the seeing, etc. Which one felt really, really good? Joseph Campbell says, we want to follow our bliss. And so we allow the body that holds so much wisdom, that's such a GPS for us in this life. And take five breaths and feel into that one sense that feels like you're languishing. It feels so interesting. And with curiosity, explore and stay with the exploration of this one sense in this present moment. Now, if you wish, and it's safe to do so, you could close the eyes, or you could stare at a point in front of you, and then begin to feel into your body in this present moment. And notice how it's feeling. If you're tired, you can tag it. I am feeling fatigue. If you're sad, you can tag it. I'm feeling sadness. If you're energized, you can tag that too. I have abundant energy. Notice and sense into each feeling. And tag it. Not as something you are, but something you're feeling. By doing this, you're getting in touch with your observer. If you feel depressed, you can tag it. I am feeling depression. Anxiety. I am feeling anxious. I notice it, I feel it, and then like a wave, sense underneath the emotion an undulating energy. Sense how the feeling can wash over you, and then it can be released. Maybe not totally out of your body, but not in the forefront of your mind. As you identify a more uncomfortable feeling, hold that feeling for a second. Then drop the inquiry. Is this feeling attached with anyone else's feeling? So if you're feeling anger, Is this anger also the anger of someone else's? Is it totally someone else's? Someone you know? Or is it the anger of the collective? Collective anger. Collective tears. Tag. 
them all in this way. Feel yourself as an echo chamber for the collective. Feel your ability to hold space for the uncomfortable feelings of yourself and others. Take a breath and feel your own strength to do this. Sensitivity is Herculean. And say, this is a gift to feel all this and to sometimes experience it for others. Or if you don't usually experience it for others, you can say, I'm willing to cultivate this a little bit to develop my compassion, to develop my sympathy and my empathy for others. Think about whichever emotions you're having as if they're shared by others, because they are. Take another breath and know this. If you're an empath and someone who is used to holding the collective feeling, you can say to yourself, tag it, this anger, this is not mine. And take an exhale and breathe it out. This sorrow, oh, this is not mine. And take another exhalation and let it go. Then feel into the energy of the observer. Feel into this part of yourself that's tagging that's watching the thoughts, that's witnessing the feelings. And with each breath, begin to identify more with this part of yourself. Some of you, it might feel like it's in the back of the skull. Or maybe it's associated with another part of the body, the throat, the belly. And then when you're ready, you can gently begin to breathe into your feet and or seat if you're seated. And stretch your arms out a little bit. And then wiggle your fingertips and sense how you have these sensitive fingertips. And then if it's safe to do so, you can place your hands on your lap or facing forward alongside the body. So they're facing the same direction as your gaze. And then simply feel into your fingertips, sense there's 10 of them. Our fingertips are so sensitive. They're literally like thousands and thousands of receptors on them. They hold our fingerprints, obviously, which make us unique and only ourselves in this world. So much information they hold and so much information they can process. They keep us safe when we go to touch the hot pot and then we move our hand away real quickly because they can sense that heat. They are the technology that holds protection for us, our hands. They're sensitive and yet they're the first thing we put up to block our face. Someone throws us a punch. And so you can wiggle the fingertips and feel how their vulnerability and their openness and their powers 
or real and how they represent as you wiggle them your connectivity to your own sensitivity. And then if it feels safe and comfortable and nurturing, you can bring them together at your heart center or you can simply leave them where they are. You, dear one, are a healing agent. You are a powerful force. Your strength is in your sensitivity. Your gifts lie in your empathy. And your prowess is available in the psychic realm. So may you keep exploring these aspects of yourself in tandem. Whether you think you have many of them, whether you don't think you have any of them, they're all worth being explored and they will all help make you the superhero heroine of your own story. Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can find information about my very exciting monthly mystic membership. My members have unlimited access to a robust video library, which includes short videos that are easily digestible, sharing practical ways to integrate mystical living into your day-to-day life. These compelling videos cover topics such as how to ground, protect, and grow your energy, how to develop your psychic abilities, how to connect to your spirit team, shadow work, inner child work, tarot cards, lots of Western astrology, of course, in addition to syncing up with the rhythms of nature and so much more. I've gotten so much positive feedback that these videos are game changers for folks. Also included in the membership are over 100 alignment-based yoga classes of all different levels, meditation and breathwork classes, so you can work from the inside out or the outside in and up level yourself as you become the next version of you. Not to mention my mystic members get all sorts of bonus content and discounts from my visionary podcast guests. So check out modernmystic.love and take a peek there as there's a free sampling of some videos waiting for you. Lastly, if you are looking for some conscious conversation and compelling community, check out also our private Modern Mystic podcast Facebook group. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste. Namaste.